Good morning. How are we all doing this morning? Happy to be here. Doing well. Amen. Amen. You can find your place. We're going to make a pit stop at Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 and then move on. But uh, we're going to open in prayer and then we'll get started. Father, we honor you this morning. We lift you up and we praise you for your goodness and your grace and your kindness towards us. Father, that without you, we would be nothing. We are here but for the grace of God. So we thank you so much for that, Father, and we look to your anointing this morning, to your Holy Spirit, to lead, to teach, and to guide into all the truth that we didn't just come here to sit, but we came here to receive. So we open our hearts and our ears to you this morning and follow after where you would lead us, and we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. amen. Uh, so the last time I was up here, we continued our our you know, general talk about the will of God and specifically paying attention to the things that God is leading us and guiding us um, to do and specifically acknowledging him and how important that acknowledgement, as it says in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, how important it is to acknowledge him in all our ways, that we should be trusting in him with all our heart. I mean, we don't lean to our own understanding. That's, that's what it says. That we should not lean to our own understanding. That doesn't mean, I, I think I know what to do. No. What is that? That's leaning to my own understanding. It's not about what I think I should do or, or if even I think I can do what God wants me to do. Because that's, that's how believers get into trouble a lot of times is they think, God told me to do this. I think I know how to do that. Well, God didn't ask you if you knew how to do it. He directed you to do it and he has a very specific way that he wants it done. So that's what we have to do, is acknowledge Him in all our ways. That means when He tells us to do something, go to Him and ask Him, how do you want me to do this? Because there's a very specific way that He wants it done, and there's a reason for that. It's not just because He's picky and He, he wants to you know, be, a, be a micromanager. That's not what it's about. It's about the fact that God has a path that He wants us to walk, and along that path, are, is growth that needs to happen, is maturity that needs to happen, maybe relationships need to be made, all sorts of different things. Um, and if we don't walk that very specific path, something is lost. And so when we get to the destination, you go, God, I've arrived. I, I did what you told me to do. Well, if it wasn't done the way he told you to be, that could not, you might be at a different spot, you know. Just because you did what he told you to do, that might not have been, you might not be where he wants you to be, if that makes sense. Because he expected certain things to be done along the way. That's where acknowledging comes in. Because you go to him and say, okay, God, you told me that this is what you want me to do. What's the first step? How do I, how do I, how do I start? How do I begin? Because if you remember back to when you just got saved, he did that to, with us from the very beginning. You didn't get saved and he told you, I want you to pastor a church. That's not what he did. Right. Usually it starts with, read your Bible, find a church. You know, he has a specific body he wants you in, so he wants you to go searching. Find it. Find where you belong. Learn. Grow. Why? Because then as you grow, then you can move in the certain ways that he wants you to go in. So go to 1 Peter 5, 8. <clears throat> and I'm in the New King James Version this morning. First Peter 5, 8. Hello. 
It says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And we talked about this the last time I was up here, but he is, he is constantly searching. You ever, ever watch in those nature documentaries and they, they follow the big cats? The big cats just aren't running all over, running into crowds of animals. They're prowling. They're, they're hunting. They're, they stay in the tall grass. They move slowly. They move quietly. Why? Because they're looking. They're watching. They're waiting. Waiting for what? An opportune time. That's what they're waiting for. Well, he prowls about like a roaring lion. Well, what do lions do? They prowl. They sneak. They skulk. They wait for when somebody wanders away from the herd or they find someone that's weak enough that they think, I can do that. Well, that's exactly what the devil does. He skulks around and he watches and he waits until the moment that he thinks, I got him. This, this is when I'll get him right here. Well, that's where the be sober, be vigilant comes in. Because if we're always aware that the enemy is waiting for me to slip up. And that's not, to, that's not supposed to be a scary thought. It's to, supposed to whip yourself into shape. You, I can't take a day off. I can't just, oh, I'm, today I'm going to relax. No, you can't relax when it comes to the enemy because that's what he's waiting for. He's skulking about waiting for us to do something like that. You know, it's notorious that Christians go on vacation and they leave God at home. Well, that's, that's the type of opportunity that the, the enemy is waiting for, is that sort of thing, where we go about our business and we leave God out of the equation. Well, when we do that, we're in, a weak, we're in a weakened state, in a weakened place. And the devil goes, I'll take advantage of that. Why? Because he's an enemy. And he's skulking about waiting, just waiting for us to catch us unprepared. And that's where acknowledging God comes into play, because if we, we're acknowledging him in everything that we're doing, we're where we're supposed to be, but we're also where the Holy Spirit can get to us and say, hey, pay attention. Over here, pay attention over here, do something. We've all been in a place where the Holy Spirit will come and tell you to do something that seems unconnected to the path that you're currently on. You ever, you ever just going about your business, following what God tells you to do, and out of left field comes, hey, read this book on healing, or read, read, read this book about finances, or study this, or study that. Why? Because he's preparing you for the enemy that's skulking out there waiting, and he knows what's coming. So he's trying to get you to move in a certain direction so that you're prepared when the attack comes. And if we're acknowledging him, we're in a position where we can hear that. Because a lot of believers, that acknowledgement, it builds a clear channel. When you're constantly going to God and saying, God, what do I do here? What do I? First off, you're not going to tire God out. Okay? Yeah. A lot of, well, I don't want to bring this to God. It's so small. Bring it to him. Yeah. He's not annoyed by small things. Okay? He's not like us. You get annoyed when somebody, somebody comes to you every two minutes. What do I do now? What do I do now? God's not like that, thankfully. He's happy to answer any time we have questions. Because all it shows is that we want to do it the correct way. We want to do it right. And God appreciates that. He doesn't get annoyed by that. So don't ever think, well, I don't want to bother God with this. You're not bothering God with it. It's good that you're coming to him. Number one, it keeps those communication lines open and clear. Because the more you go and acknowledge him and you're hearing back from him, you get more and more and more familiar with that voice so that when he comes to you, instead of you going to him and he says, hey, I want you to do this thing. Then you go, ah, I know that voice. Yes, I'll do that right away. Because then he can get you out of the way or prepare you for an attack from the enemy because he 
the, one of the jobs of the Holy Spirit is that he reveals things to come. He reveals things to come, but it doesn't help if we don't listen. <laughs> he can reveal it all day long if we're not listening. And it's not going to do us any, any good. And, the, and we talked about last time that the enemy, the enemy will use anything that works. He'll, he does not, there is no bottom, you know, there's nothing too low for him to use to get us off track, to attack us, and to stop us uh, from traveling on the path that God has for it. And his big thing with church people is that he switches out good things for God things. We know that we're supposed to be doing something for God, and then something good comes along. We go, well, I mean, it's good. Good equals God. No, not necessarily. Because good could just be a distraction. There's many and many a church people and many, many a church organizations that have been drawn off, use their resources, time, their, their, their human element, their energy to do something that that's not what God wanted them to do. It wasn't what God had directed them to do. And what was it? It was a good thing, probably, but it wasn't what God wanted them to do. And that makes it not good. <laughs> The word says that for those that know what to do and don't do it, it's sin. I mean, it's not like shooting your neighbor's sin, but sin is sin to God. We're supposed to be doing what God tells us to do, right? Amen? So that's, what, that's the acknowledging part of it, though. Because when good things come and you see a good thing and you don't immediately jump on it, you go to God and say, God, is this what I'm supposed to do? And he'll tell you, yes, no. But we have to go to him earnestly, actually wanting the answer, not just going for validation of what we want to do. That's where we get in trouble. I mean, I want to do this, but I, I mean, I'm supposed to pray about it. So we're going to go to God and say, God, is this what you want me to do? Yes, that's what God. No, you've got to wait to hear from him and see if that's actually because that's how the devil does it. It's those things. Oh, this investment is too good to be true. I can't pass this up. Acknowledge. Acknowledge. God knows things to come. He can tell you if this is going to burn you or not. But if we don't ever go to him, we can get scuttled. We can get beat by the enemy because he's tricky. He's not dumb. He doesn't ever come. He do, I mean, it's exceedingly rare when the devil just walks right through the front door. He doesn't knock on the front door. He gets you to come out of the house and then jumps on you. <laughs> We don't need a reason to not do something. Keith Moore says this all the time. We don't need a reason to not do something. We need a reason to do something. In other words, when something comes along, I don't need a reason to not do that thing. I can just not do it. I need a reason to do it, and that reason is the leadership of the Holy Spirit. That's the reason I should be doing everything that I'm involved with, no matter what it is. Because good quote-unquote, air quotes, scare quotes, whatever you want to call them, good opportunities come all the time. All the time. But that doesn't mean it's what you're supposed to do. We should be acknowledging in how many things? Not just bad things, not just things that interest me, the big things. It's all things, including the things that seem good. Because that's, I mean, the enemies. There's a reason why it says he comes dressed like an angel of light. He wants to fool you. See, don't I look good? I'm dressed as an angel of light. And he fools people. Because we don't have, we have finite resources. And then we're not necessarily talking about money. You have finite amounts of energy. You have finite amounts of time. 
It's not an unlimited resource. So when you waste some of that resource, you don't get it back. You don't get the day you wasted or weeks or months or years chasing something. You don't get those back. So if the devil can steal those from you by convincing you to do something that's good, but not God, he's totally okay with that. He doesn't mind you working a soup kitchen if it distracts you from what God wants you to do. And Christians, because we're told to love and to serve and to do all these things, they assume, I have to do that. No, you don't. You need a reason to do those things. And I'm not saying it's bad to do them. I'm just saying you should be acknowledging the one you're supposed to be serving in all things. Because if he has something for you to do that that thing is taking the place of, we're losing out. We're losing out. And not only are we losing out, but the path that he has us on is the greatest good for the kingdom and for people. That's period. The path that God has for you is the greatest good for the church as a whole and people in general. You can't do better than God when it comes to his plan. Doesn't matter how many good things you do, his plan is gooder. It's bad English, but it's gooder than anything we could ever come up with. But the enemy is betting that most Christians will say, well, I'll do that. That's a good thing to do. Why? Because that's what they've been trained to do. Instead of going and acknowledging, they think, well, this is service. This is good. I'll do that. And I'm not saying it's bad, but just check in. Check in. That's all I'm saying. I know most of us in here, we didn't have to check in with our parents. That's a thing now. Kids are supposed to check in with their parents. You know, come in and tell me what you're doing every once in a while so I know where you're at. When I was young, we were gone from sunup to sundown. And we came back, and as long as all the pieces were still there, it was good. And that's probably the way it was for most of y'all, too. But it's not that way no more. Now it's check in. I want to know where you're at every once in a while. (laughs) And that's what we need to do to God. Check in all the time. As often, probably as often as you think you're doing it, you need to do it more. (laughs) You know, we think, oh man, I'm checking in a lot. Check in more. It can't hurt. It can't hurt. Because all we can do is improve. So, that was my my refresher. That was my intro. (laughs) So, what I want to talk about is the scope of these things... um, in terms of growth, looking it through it in the lens of, of growing. Uh, because the, the, the ultimate goal of the enemy to steal, kill, and destroy is for Christians is to stop us from growing with God, from moving forward with Him. Why? Because he realizes how much of a headache we are if we move down the path that God has set for us because it involves, like I said, a lot of change positively for the church and a lot of reaching out to people. And it may not be direct word of mouth to people, but I mean, it can, whatever your path is, it involves touching people in some form or fashion. Whether it's funding the gospel around the world or actually going and talking to people or standing in a pulpit. Who knows? But, I'm, but I'm, you're, whatever your path is, it touches more people than the devil wants you to. The devil doesn't want you to touch anybody. So his, his goal is to try and stunt our growth, to stop our growth through distraction and temptation. 
because he understands a principle that most believers do not, and that is that growth precedes promotion. Growth before promotion. It's always that way with God. You don't ever, for lack of a better way to describe it, you don't ever win the lottery with God, where one day it's one way, and the next you're a millionaire. That's not how it works with God, spiritually speaking. You, you don't, one day you're a baby Christian and the next day you're teaching in the pulpit. That's not how it works. Growth before promotion. So what the enemy is going to try to do is he's going to try and stop that growth. Because if he can stop the growth, he stops the promotion. And will always be not a threat. You know, and then moving down the road, then he has more access to steal, kill, and destroy. So that's what he's looking to do up front, is he's trying to stop us from growing. And we understand the principle of growth before promotion because this is how it works in every facet of our physical life. With your actual job, you have to grow in your job before you get promoted. You don't get hired one day and the next day you're the manager. That's not how it works. It's just not. You have to work there, learn the skills, show that you've grown, show that you have the responsibility needed to take on this new position. You have to show all those things. Same thing with your relationships. You don't meet somebody and the next day you're married. That's not, that's not how it should work. It's very foolish if it does work that way. But relationships are growth. You grow over time. And what happens? You are promoted, you know, first your friends, then maybe you date in court, and then maybe you're engaged, and step by step by step by step, growth. Same thing with your physical body. If you want to be able to lift 150, you want to bench press 150 pounds, you're not starting at 150 pounds, unless you just so happen to be a giant. But most people are starting at much less than that, where you've got to bench a little bit, and then a little bit more, and then a little bit. Why? Because growth precedes promotion in every facet. So it shouldn't be shocking that the spiritual life is the same exact way, but a lot of believers get bent out of shape when that's not the way that it is. You know, they, they go to God and they, they ask, you know, things of Him, and He tells them, you know, they're like, God, I, I need X, Y, and Z. I want to I wanna reach the world for you. And He says, read your Bible. And they're like, well, yeah, I know that, but I want to reach the world. Read your Bible. Well, what is God doing? Grow. You grow first, then I'll promote you. Then you grow some more, and then I'll promote you again. Then you grow some more, and I'll promote you again. But there, it's the, it's the fast food mentality. I want to I wanna order my food at the speaker, and then 30 seconds later, it's in my hand. No, that's not how it works with God. It's not how it works. Because the thing with, when it comes to promotion with God that we should be looking to is those promotions come with greater responsibilities. And a lot of people nowadays in this day and age are like, well, I don't want more responsibilities. I just want the perks. I don't want the work. Well, that's not how it, that's not how it goes. You don't get the perks without the work. <laughs> so we have to grow if we want to be promoted. Because when it comes to enhanced, when we get more responsibilities with God, that's a good thing. He can trust us more. He can come to us with more and greater things. And that's as a servant, as somebody, his, you know, his bond servant, that should be what we want. I want to be more useful to my master. I want to be able to do more things for him. Well, to do that, we have to grow. There's no, there's no way around that. And it's the same thing, you know, people look at responsibilities and they're like, well, I don't want more responsibilities. But it's the, it's the same with everything else. 
when you, when you grow at your job and you get promoted, what do you have? More responsibilities. Your job is bigger. You're, you maybe, maybe now you manage people. You're responsible for them. When you get promoted in your, your relationship, when you move from friends to dating, there's more responsibilities. You don't just get to talk to them once a week. That wouldn't be a very good, very good relationship. You don't just get to see them once a month. No, there's more responsibilities there. Same thing with physical growth. You want to look like Arnold? You got to work for it. And not only do you have to keep work, work for it, you got to keep working for it. The responsibilities grow. You can't just go to the gym once a week anymore. Now you got to go three or four or five times a week. If you want that, the responsibility grows. Go to 2 Timothy 2, 15. I'm going to read this out of the Amplified, if I could, please. 2 Timothy 2, 15. So the same is, goes for us spiritually. When we grow and we get promoted, there are more responsibilities. And not necessarily more, but they're bigger responsibilities. It's, you know, you don't just have to worry about reading your Bible anymore. Now you've got to worry about not sinning. Don't lie. Pray. Look, look, look for other people's needs. Look, you know, be more concerned than just about yourself. That kind of stuff. More responsibilities. 2 Timothy 2.15 in the Amplified, it says, Study and be eager and do your utmost to present yourself to God approved, tested by trial, a workman who has no cause to be ashamed, correctly analyzing and accurately dividing, rightly handling and skillfully teaching the word of truth. That's what we should be looking to do. Study and be eager to do your utmost to present yourself to God, an approved workman. That's what we want. And that's, that's our life as a believer, is my life is studying and being eager to approve myself to God, a workman. And I want to be more of a workman every time I go to him. More, I've proved myself, God, I've done this, I've done this. And not that you need to showboat to God, because he knows, he's watching, he understands, he sees it. You don't got to come to God and rub, you know, do the little rub the dust off your shoulders thing. He, he's... Not impressed by showboating. He understands what you're doing, and he appreciates it. But the whole fact of the matter is, is we have to put in the work. And it's continual work. It's not one time, one dab will do you. No, it's, it's a life of being an approved workman. That you're constantly tested by trial. And not necessarily trials as in de- from the devil, you know, beating temptations, but trials as in exercising your faith. Using, using what you're learning in the Word of God, being self-controlled, controlling your emotions, being kind, exercising the, the, the gifts of the Spirit, doing all of those things. That's how you're, you're approving yourself as a workman. And that's how you're growing. Because we want to be a better and better workman. It's just like, I don't know that they do this anymore, but back in the day when it came to the working trades like carpentry and and stuff like that, there was apprentices, there was journeymen's, and there was masters, and in some there were grandmasters. Well, I don't know that they do that anymore, but that used to be the way that it was. You didn't join the crew and you were automatically a master. That's not how it worked. You started out way down at the bottom of the totem pole. And you worked your way up. When you started, you had somebody looking over your shoulder, checking everything you did to make sure you didn't mess it up. Well, that's how it is when we, when we get saved. God's looking over our shoulder. He's looking out for us. He comes behind us and cleans up a little bit of our messes and makes sure we don't 
just like we're a little baby. He makes sure we don't fall off the dining room table and do all the dumb things little, little babies do. Well, that's what he did for us spiritually. But as we grow, hence the word grow, we get graduated up to journeyman, where now it's, you're on your own. You get to do more, more things, and, but also more is expected of you. You don't get to walk around and, and make mistakes all the time. That's not how it goes. You're a journeyman now. You got your big boy, big girl pants on. God expects you to be able to do some things. Those are the responsibilities. But you continue to grow. That's not the end of the road. Continue to grow, to press in and do the things. And you graduate again. Now you're a master. Now you're teaching others. Now you can handle almost anything that comes your way. You don't have problems anymore, so to speak. In other words, you know how to handle the situations that come up. You don't have to go to anybody and ask. You know, you've been around the block a few times. But that also means that you're familiar enough to go to the one who has the answers. That's the difference spiritually, is you constantly are touching base with God. What am I doing, God? What am I doing? That's a master. A master knows that he's completely dependent on the master. That he's completely dependent on the word. But the, the growth is the thing. Because a lot, of, a lot of believers, a lot of people in churches wonder why they haven't heard from God. Well, I haven't heard from God. He is, I haven't gotten direction from God in years. Well, did you, did you do the last thing he told you to do? Did you? I mean, it's an honest question. It's not, it's not meant to be mean. But that's, that's the first question that needs to be asked. Are you doing what God told you to do? Because if you're not, that's why you haven't heard from him yet. You, ain't, you, ain't, you got a work log and he sent you a job. You ain't scratched that job off the list yet. So he ain't going to give you a new one. But that's where the, the people want to jump the line. They want to get promoted before there's any growth there. Well, I want a new job. You got to do that one first. You don't get to skip that. But that's what a lot of believers expect. Well, I've been saved for 10 years. That don't mean nothing. You're still an apprentice. You're still an apprentice even if it's been 10 years. The growth is, comes before the promotion. Just because you've been here a long time doesn't mean you get to do special stuff. You've got to prove yourself. That's where a lot of believers get bent out of shape. I don't want to have to prove myself. Well, tough nuggets. You've got to do it anyway. You don't, this ain't your show. You ain't running this show. This is God's show. It's his plan. It's his church. And he does it the, the way he wants to do it. And why he does that is because he's not irresponsible. If I know for a fact that Pastor Morgan can only bench press 100 pounds, and this is not true, I'm just using this as an example. If I know for a fact that he can only bench press 100 pounds, it would be irresponsible of me to walk up to him and say, I want you to bench press 150 pounds. He's going to hurt himself because he can't physically do it. Well, God is the same way with us spiritually. He knows exactly what we can handle. And it would be irresponsible of him to come to someone and say, I want you to do this thing when he knows for a fact that you can't do it. And that's not the kind of God that he is. That's why many believers don't ever hear from God after that first time, because they don't ever grow. And he's not going to come and hand them a job just because they want to feel special. That's not how it works. God is not a respecter of your feelings. He does not care about your feelings. He's not here to pet your flesh. He doesn't care about your emotions. He's expecting you to have those things under control. Yes. Including being offended. Well, 
God doesn't respect me enough. No, he just knows what you can handle. And he's not going to kill you to, for you to be able to try something. That's not how he works. He's not a hard taskmaster. He doesn't whip you. He doesn't drive you forward. He's, he'll wait patiently for you to grow, and then he'll hand you the next assignment. That's what he's going to do. Because God, God doesn't have an inflated view of our faith like many believers do. Well, I can handle that. Oh, can you now? Well, God knows whether you can or you can't. It says clearly in the Word of God that he will not saddle us. This is the, the MacArthur paraphrase. He will not saddle us with more than we can handle. Why? Because he knows exactly where we're at. None of this, well, I'm a big man of faith. No, you ain't, and he knows you're not. He knows exactly where you're at. You can fool everybody else. You're not fooling him. So you can tell everybody else, oh, yeah, I believe God for that. And you took out a bank at the, a loan at the bank. Well, he knows that. Nobody else knows that, but he does. So he knows you can't handle that thing that you're expecting him to let you do. That's not how this goes. God's the big boss. He don't answer to anybody. <laughs> and if you don't like it, you can hit the road. He doesn't want you to hit the road, but you, he's not going to do it just to do it. He's not going to do it. Mm. But uh, the problem is, is a lot of believers, when they get that way and they think, well, I think this is God, and they just jump out there and try to do it, and that's where you have catastrophic failure. I mean, just and you see it all the time. Churches sprout up, and then churches are gone. Well, clearly, somebody missed something, Right? Because if the church was supposed to be there, God would have supplied and made sure there were people, there was provision, there was... So somebody missed something. And it wasn't God. <laughs> God didn't miss it. So somebody missed it. And a lot of times, it's believers that think their britches are a lot bigger than they actually are. Because they haven't grown. They haven't grown. They promoted themselves. They made, they made the little badge on their crafting station and pinned it on their jacket and said... I'm a, I'm a big boy now. No, you're not. You don't get to promote yourself. God promotes you. But you, you know and I know believers that do that all the time. They just go out there. Well, I'm going to buy this card and believe God. You better watch it. Because if you needed a new car, you would what? Acknowledge him. God, I need a new car. And he'll direct you how to go about that. You don't go buy it first. And then go, God will provide. No, no, no acknowledgement, which means you didn't get there. God didn't put you there. Because if he did, you would have done it the way he told you to do it. Which probably would have been something like, sow seed first and believe God, not just go grab it and believe after the fact. That's not how that goes. So go to Matthew chapter 13. I want to bring this back around to the parable of the sower. I kind of touched on this last time, but I want to go all the way through it. Because it's important that we see, because growth is so important to us as believers, we need to see the types of things that are coming, going to come move at us, that the, the enemy is going to bring to us, that he's going to use certain avenues to try and steal the word from us, to try and steal the seed from us and stop us from growing. That's what he's looking to do. Again, Matthew chapter 13, verse 18. I'm going to read it out of the New King James.
It says, therefore, we're going to go to, um, we're going to read down to verse 23, but I'll tell you to stop. But for right now, we're going to move on. Therefore, hear the parable of the sower. Next verse. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches it away, snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is he who received the seed by the wayside. So just stop right there for a second. So they don't understand. They don't understand. And there's a few facets that come here in this, in this discussion. And keep in mind, a lot of people equate this with like receiving, you know, healing or, or prosperity. We're just looking at it as growth. We're looking at it through the scope of growth here. So when we hear the word of the kingdom, but they don't understand it, and the wicked one comes and snatches it away. Now understand, it is the responsibility of the one on whom seed was sown to grab that seed. That's their job, is to grab that seed. And right here, that they don't even, it basically just bounces off their chest and falls on the ground. And there's a few reasons for that. One is they legitimately don't understand what God's trying to say to them. Like they're, they're on a different wavelength. And that comes from not having a relationship. That God tries to talk to you and you simply don't even, you don't even understand what he's trying to say. That's a, God, was that you? That kind of thing. I don't even know if that was God. Well, you should know. And that, that, that's where the growth comes in. Hey, everybody starts there. Everybody starts with that unsurety, but you've got to grow. You've got to communicate. And one of the ways to do that is acknowledge him. Go to him. Go to him. Go to him. Get familiar with that communication channel. Clear up. Get the corrosion off those wires so that you can hear better. The, the more common one, well, for believers when stuff like this comes, is the unwillingness to receive. The seed comes, God comes and tells you, I want you to do this, and they go, nope, just fell on the ground. They didn't, they didn't, even, didn't even attempt to grab at it. God said, I want you to do this, and they said, nope. And a lot of, a lot of times that has to do with something I don't want to do, or it has to do with people. I want you to go forgive that person. Do you have any idea what that person did to me? Just fell on the ground. Why? Because there's, there's growth there. God wants you to grow past that. Because that is impeding growth. That unforgiveness is stopping you from proceeding. So until we get past that roadblock, you're not going anywhere. But a lot of people, they hold on to that type of stuff. Well, they hurt me really bad. Well... Which is it? Do you want to be hurt or do you want to grow? Because those are your choices. You can be hurt, but you get to stay there for the rest of your life. And lots of people choose that path. You tell it as soon as you start talking to them. Well, 15 years ago, so and so, well, we know exactly where you're at. You're right there, still holding on to that thing, and the seeds are bouncing off your chest. And the devil just walks by and goes, thank you, and he goes right on his way. We didn't even try to grab it. But that's, what, that's where the growth comes in. Understand that forgiveness is not just a, one of those things they mention in the Bible that you learn in Sunday school. It's important. Being obedient is important. <laughs> Acknowledging, coming to understand, important. So, next verse. But he who received the seed on stony places, this is he who hears the word immediately and receives it with joy. 21. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. Okay, we're going to stop there for just a second. So he receives it with gladness, but has no root. So this is where 
everybody starts. This is where we all start. You hear the word with gladness. You hear something come over the pulpit. You're reading your Bible. You see something. You're like, glory to God. What, what is that? You just grab that seed and you are, you are so glad about that. That's where we all start. But there's no root and endures only for a while. What is that? There's no pursuit of growth. You don't meditate on it and continue to look at it and study it and study it and think about it and ponder it. It's just a, yeah, you're excited, and that's all that it is, is surface-level excitement. Well, the devil, what is he doing? He's skulking. He's watching. He's just out there watching you going, okay, I see the excitement. I see it. All right, all right. But then he sees there's no pursuit of anything else. There's no, there's no moving for growth in that area. And he goes, okay, okay, and he pounces. Well, what does he pounce with? Resistance. I believe, I believe by the stripes of Jesus I'm healed. You catch a hold of that. Excited. I don't have to be sick anymore. What comes? Sickness. Well, if we've been growing, we know. Okay, now's the time. We're going we're gonna, to, this word works, and we're going to stick with it. Well, though, what is that? That's roots. But a lot of people get sick, and they go, and they throw the seed. This stuff don't work. Why? Just because you got a little push? And you just threw the seed. That eh, doesn't work. I was so excited over nothing. Well, why, why are we like that? Because that's how it's like in lots of other areas in our life. Physically, that's how our life is. You know, you make a new friend, and then you hear through the grapevine, they stab you in the back. Talk bad about you behind your back. You're like, yeah, figures. Well, we're so trained in that physically that that's how we respond spiritually. No, no, that's what the devil is counting on. That's why he brings resistance, because he wants to know, did you grow, or was this all just happy talk? And he, we have, you guys understand that we have to let go of the seed. He can't steal it from you. He can't go in there and, and fight you for it. You have to let it go. Then he steals it. Because we, it's, it's my choice whether or not I'm going to push forward with this thing or not. And until I make that choice, I've got the seed in my hand. If I choose not to, I drop it on the ground. And he picks it up, and there we go. Our choice. We have to choose to grow. And then we'll be promoted. Hmm. Next verse. Now he who received the seed among the thorns is he who hears the word, and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and he becomes unfruitful. Now, I know some folks who read this miss this, but there's growth here. He who receives the seed among the thorns, thorns don't choke out seeds. Thorns choke out stuff that's grown. It chokes out. The, you, you hear the, the verses about the wheat, the, the enemy came and sowed chaff among the wheat. Well, they grew up together. The thorns grow up with the seed. So it's grown up. The problem is, is somewhere along the line, the thorns got a little out of control and choked out the seed. Whose responsibility is it to remove the thorns? It's my responsibility to remove the thorns, not God's responsibility to remove the thorns. He's not sending angelic gardeners out there to clean up your field. You got to clean up your field. Now, what the enemy is doing is he sees the growth, and this is where that sneaky stuff comes in, where he gets you to take your eyes off of the growth and put your eyes on good things. 
A lot of times, <laughs> I actually was just reading over my notes this morning, and this popped up on the inside of me. You receive word, you grow, let's just say it's in, let's just say, for instance, it's in the area of healing. You've, you've had some success, you, you know how to believe God, you know how to seek God and, and receive your healing, and, and you, don't, you don't have to be sick anymore. But all of a sudden, I look over, and Pastor Nid is, in this again, just an example, Pastor Nid's really struggling with, with healing. So I come along, Pastor Nid, and I put my eyes on her and say, Pastor Nid, here's what you need to do. And all of a sudden, I'm the Holy Ghost police. And I'm going to hang around with Pastor Nid all the time and tell her, here's what you need to do. What have I done? I've taken my eyes off of my seed. And I'm looking at her stuff. Her stuff ain't none of my business. Unless what? Unless I've acknowledged, if I've gone and said, hey, Holy Spirit, I've noticed that so-and-so is having problems. Should I do anything? I know that's, a, that's a, just an earth-shattering revelation to some people that you would, you would actually go to the Holy Spirit and see if you need to put your nose in somebody else's business. Shocking. Shocking. But believers do this all the time. Well, here, I'll tell you what. No, 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 no. Rain that back in. You do not need to be telling anybody anything unless you are directed to do so. Why? Because you don't need to put your eyes on their stuff because that's not your seed. Your seed is your seed. And again, people, well, that's so selfish. No, it's following the direction of the Holy Spirit. Because if I start throwing stuff at people, number one, if it's not at the direction of the Holy Spirit, it's not going to do them any good. Because if they were ready to, the Holy Spirit would have told me to do it in the first place. If they needed to hear it from me and they were ready to hear it, he would have said, go talk to that person. But if I'm just over there throwing stuff at people, they're not receiving that. Probably doing more harm than good. Especially with your family. Stay away from your family. You're usually the worst person to talk to your own family. Look Look at what they said about Jesus. Who's this guy? Isn't this Joseph and Mary's son? We know his brothers and his son. Who does he think? That's your family. That's your family. You know it and I know it. That's why the acknowledgement is so important. Because then he'll tell you. Because not only will it be the right time, they'll be in the position, the most opportune position to receive. Far too often, it's just like we're just out there shooting, shooting stuff off all over the place instead of focusing on our own growth so that we can become a better example. How about that? Maybe we don't actually have to physically talk to them. We can just live out what God has told us to do, and then they see us and go, wow, look at that. It's stuff, this stuff does work. What a novel idea. You don't actually have to yell at people for them to, to get something from you. But that, that's, and the thing is, that's the enemy's game. People are thinking, but I'm doing good. I'm, I'm spreading the gospel. No, you're not. You're annoying that person is what you're doing. <laughs> that's what you're doing. You know, Pastor Bob gives the testimony about the people that were in his life that shared the word with him before he got saved. You think they just did that willy-nilly? I guarantee you the guy who came into his room and shared the gospel with him when he was high didn't do that just because he felt like it would be fun. I guarantee you he didn't do that. He did that at the direction of the Holy Spirit. You know what the funny thing is? 
even high, he still remembers it. Why? Because it was at the direction of the Holy Spirit and it planted seed. And notice he didn't become Pastor Bob's roommate. He didn't move in with him every time Pastor Bob comes out of his room the next morning. Hey, buddy. No, no. Because that wouldn't have worked. But that's what a lot of believers do. But then the thorn grows up and chokes out that seed. Why? Because you haven't been paying attention to your seed. Seeds require attention to continue to grow. You got to look after that thing. <laughs> but they don't, they don't see that. They don't see that. And it's the same thing here is the deceitfulness of riches and the cares of the world. Those are other common thorns. You know what a deceitfulness of riches in the area of growth is? Well, I have, I have arrived. That's what a lot of people, they get, they get, under, they get big britches when they start, they start having success with faith in the word. They think, well, I've, I've got this. I am the big man on campus. Well, what is that? That's a thorn. That's a thorn growing up and wrapping around that seed. Because the moment you think, well, I've got this, the devil will come double hard and put you on your back. And what does that do? That's... You ever been hit when you thought you had it and you're on your back looking up at the ceiling going, man. Well, a lot of people, quite a few people don't recover from that. Because it's devastating to think, man, I have arrived. And then all of a sudden you get whooped up on and you think, wow. (laughs) Well, whose fault is that? Not God's fault. Not God's fault. Because the other side of this is, The whole time that we're too focused on the thorns to be focused on the seed, the Holy Spirit's going, pay attention to your seed, please. That's what he's trying to do, but most of the time people don't get the message because they're too focused on those things. And the devil's like, kills that seed, and he goes, thank you very much. This is why growth is important, so that we're in a position to see all these things, see Sober and vigilant is what Peter said. Be sober and vigilant. Why? Because he's always out there skulking. Realize that this is a big game to him. But he plays for real. He plays for pinks, as they used to say in racing sometimes. He don't play little games. He's he's here to take you down a peg and then take you out. He don't want you advancing. So he's going to play for real. And we need to be sober and vigilant and realize... I can't afford to take my eyes off the ball. I got I to gotta have my eyes on the ball all the time. Because the moment I get squirrel, that's when he's coming out, boom, and he hits you from the side. You've, I've, I've seen lots of those in football. You have too if you've watched football where the guy's looking at the ball and you see the guy coming and you go, oh, no. Well, what is that? That's exactly what the devil's waiting for. He's waiting for you to look over here and boom, he creams you from the side. Why? Because I wasn't fo- my focus wasn't where it was supposed to be. I got distracted. Yeah. And it's not the end of the road if you get distracted and the devil hits you. But acknowledge right then, right there. Don't get, don't get filled with despair. Go to God and acknowledge, God, he got me. Yeah. What do I do? What do I do? Because there's a way out. There's a way out. When it's, it says he'll acknowledge and he'll make our what? Our path straight. Well, what does it mean? That means right back there it was awfully not straight. But he can make it straight. But I've got to acknowledge. Right? Amen.
Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you that we'll study this, Father God, that though we may receive it with gladness now, we'll look to grow in this, that we'll look to grow roots down so that we can stand firm in what we've heard this morning, that revelation will come, light will come, understanding will come, Father, that we know that growth comes before promotion. And that, Father, we want to be promoted. We want to prove ourselves a workman who is able to handle the word accurately. That's what we want, Father God. So we look to you. We look to acknowledge you in all things so that you can lead us in the truth and make our path straight, Father God. And we thank you for it this morning. And we come to you right now with our giving and our tithes, Father God, because you've called us to come to you with a glad heart that you've opened your financial system to us that you've made it available to us, Father, so that we can sow seeds, so that they'll grow, and we can become a bigger blessing, a more effective workman in your kingdom. And we thank you for it this morning, and do, and we give with a glad and, and praise-filled heart, Father God. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. If you need an envelope, and there's not one on the seat back in front of you, raise your hands and the ushers will get you one. If you joined us on live stream, thank you for being with us this morning. You can give if you'd like to at our website at newlifefamilyworship.net. You can use the giving link there to, to send in offerings. And always uh, reach out to us on social media, email, whatever you like with praise reports and prayer requests. We'd love to hear from you all. And we will be back at 1030. Thank you.